if I had to boil it down to one key insight is that everyone has a story to tell and that story has the power to change your reality. Looks like you've officially entered the group chat with your best friends. My name is Ali Pantucci, and this is the Unfiltered Podcast, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media to talk about anything and everything uncensored. From personal wellness to entrepreneurship, spirituality, sex, surviving breakups, and hilarious girl talk in between, this is the space for important conversations that women should be having with their best friends. So pour yourself a glass of whatever makes you feel good, sit back and join me as I navigate adulthood with real, unfiltered conversations. Hey girl, how's it going? Oh, you know, (laughs) it's been going very well and also not so well as you and I just chatted. (laughs) Yeah, Celine and I had a little bit of a a pre-hit record chat. We were talking about signature moves like crying in the shower, so... And then you're like, how's it going? I'm like, well, I was just crying in the shower, but I'm actually generally pretty well. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's amazing. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Your story is a really amazing story on so many different levels. And, you know, I can't even remember how I came across you or your work, but I'm really happy I did because I honestly felt very connected to you and I felt I really actually admired it and appreciated how well you embodied a lot of the things that I stood for. I love what you represented in female entrepreneurship. I, you know, love what you do in terms of your career path. I love what you do when you choose to share in terms of your personal work and your growth and your personal relationships and transitions in between all of that. So this is your show, so I'm going to let you speak to yourself, but tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Celine. Hello, everyone listening in. And um, I help entrepreneurs to um, create and share their most authentic, powerful story so that they can create influence, they can create impact, and of course, income in their life and business. The work that I do um, goes quite a few layers down and so it will become much more obvious in this, in this conversation, which is really about understanding what is the story that you're telling yourself? How is that story, story um, serving you and your goals or not? And how do you rewrite that story on the inside so then when you show up on the outside as an entrepreneur, as a human being, as a partner, whatever it may be, as a parent, you're showing up as the best possible version of yourself and you actually mean it. So it's not like, oh, this is the person I think I should be. And it totally doesn't match who you are on the inside, but it's creating really that ultimate alignment between your inner story, your outer story, and making sure that it's consistently working for you to get you the success that you want. Um, and also the fulfillment, because we're not in here, in here just for the accolades and for the success, but also to feel really fulfilled and like we're building the life that we dream of every step of the way. So that's um, a bit about my mission, a bit about me. Um, I always get stuck on this question, ironically, because I'm always so focused on getting other people their story out. Um, (laughs) Fun fact, most people don't know about me. I'm Italian and I don't have an accent. So that's the one thing that a lot of people always say, wow, I didn't know that. I'm Italian and I don't have an accent either. Really? Were you born there? No. Oh, okay. My, my last name's my last name's Pintucci, and I feel like that's as Italian as it gets. <laughs> it is Pintucci. Um, I was. Um, what I mean is, I was born and raised in Rome. I know. I was actually, you. <laughs> and then I, Pintucci is. You have a much more Italian last name than I do. That's for sure. Um, I grew up in the U.S. And so I'm very all too familiar with the whole um, American dream, work your butt off, um, make that money, hustle, hustle culture, Mm -hmm. um, and being an immigrant in that U.S. um, environment of you got to make it or else uh, there's no other option Mm -hmm. really gave me a unique perspective of having, you know, one foot into that culture, that hustle culture, and then also the other foot in the like, but I want beauty and good food and hanging out with my family. And it always created this massive inner conflict inside of me, two completely different narratives running inside of me. Um, so part of what brought me to this kind of work is realizing how um, the stories that I was telling myself were absolutely creating ruckus inside of me that were making me miserable. And then going off into the world and actually taking charge and rewriting my own story. Okay, I love this. But what I'm really curious about is 
So you're doing a lot of marketing work. You're doing a lot of, I'm assuming, brand development, work coaching people on figuring out who they are, how they show up online, and then, you know, content pillars that support how they tell their story. Did you get into that before, after you'd started doing a lot of the life coaching, like the neuro-linguistic programming, the breath work, like how did that all start to, like what came first or, or do they coexist right now for you? Yeah, it's no super fascinating you're pointing that out because they do, uh, one did come before the other, but let's just say that I'm now really finding my heart and passion is in understanding the subconscious mind, how it works Mm -hmm. and how we can actually work with it to literally manifest the sort of life that we want to live. And um, that when I was uh, the branding, the marketing, that's actually, um, I would say that's only the, if you looked at the iceberg. Um, that's only the tip, the branding, the marketing, that's only the tip of what I do. The actual massive, um, the massive iceberg underneath is this work that you're referring to, the breath work, the NLP, um, the hypnotherapy. So um, the way that I got into it is that um, when I was in corporate New York City, I was working as a branding strategist. So I already had that branding, marketing, advertising background. And then Mm -hmm. um, I quit my job in, and your audience might not know this, so it's worth mentioning. I, I had this moment where I'm like, I really need to change my life. A series of events happened in my life. And it did, it, I was basically made a choice. I have to change things completely. And so I quit my job. I left New York and I did a social experiment in which I challenged myself to circumnavigate the globe for a year by couch surfing, but not using the website by using human connection. So oh what that means, yeah. so, you know, like six that degrees, so Kevin cool. Bacon, have you ever heard of that theory? <laughs> Yeah. So basically, um, I spent uh, almost a year traveling the world, circumnavigating by staying in the homes of friends, friends of friends, people I met on the road. Basically, the rule is that they had to be connected with me somehow. Um, And I did this because I was just like, I need to change my life. I need to figure out what to do. And the only thing I can do right now is something very extreme. And every single day, I'm going to do the three things I love. I'm going to travel, I'm going to meet people, and I'm going to write. And if I do the three things I love every single day, it's going to lead me to where I'm meant to be. And so obviously, I've learned, I learned a lot of lessons. I interacted with hundreds of people, interviewed hundreds of people from 20 different countries, um, and had you know stayed with over 100 people, most of them strangers. And so I had a lot, it was a big year of research and just diving into people's minds. What are their dreams? What do they want? What do they value um, across the board? It was like a, an ethnography, if you, if, if you may. And um, in that year traveling, I of, of course learned many, many lessons. I'm actually writing a book about that right now. Um, but if I had to boil it down to one key insight is that everyone has a story to tell. And that story has the power to change your reality. I met people living in you know, wealthy CEOs and penthouses who tell themselves the story of I don't have enough and I'm this and I'm that and lack of worthiness. And people who had nothing in villages in Myanmar who were like, just smile and you will be happy. And, and, you know, and just the contrast of the narratives that people were running inside of their head and how it was actually um, completely influencing the sort of lives that they were living. And so in that year, I naturally started to, I've always been super interested in human psychology. I've always had this interest, like hunger for understanding the mind um, and our behaviors and culture. And then it just um, naturally progressed that as I was growing my brand, telling my story, documenting my journey, and I started to grow many followers. I was invited by Forbes to document my journey. Um, I started to get a lot of traction. And that's when entrepreneurs started coming to me and saying, hey, Celine, how are you doing this? Can you teach me how I can tell my story or mm-hmm. show up more as myself authentically online um, and in my business so that I can also, you know, get more visibility, create more impact for people and, and you know, grow my business. So I naturally just, it just naturally unfolded that I started doing this kind of work. And when I started, it was very focused because it was what I knew, which was the marketing piece, the branding piece. Let's, let's get that brand out there. Let's mm-hmm. polish that. And it was super mm-hmm. focused on that. But in the past couple of years, Ali, it's, it's taking a life of its own. And what I'm realizing, what you pointed out, um, that there's so many, you know, people come, they, they would come to me and they would say, well, I don't like my brand or I want to change it this, this, and that way, or I, I, this is what I want on the output. But then I'd be like, well, who are you? And who are you talking to? Why does this matter to you? Why do you uh, care? Yes, and they wouldn't yes. be able to answer me. 
And that's when I realized that that tip of the iceberg, it's like people want that shiny external image and the followers and the money mm-hmm. and to influence hundreds or thousands of people. But what they're not willing to do is look within and ask themselves deeper questions, which is why does this matter to you? Where is this coming from? Who do you generally want to help? And what's that bigger mission that you have in the world? And that's when I realized that for me to fully be able to help um, and help entrepreneurs grow on the outside, I needed them to look within and match the external growth that they wanted on the outside with who they were becoming on the inside and then enter in all the techniques and tools I had to learn to be able to access the the subconscious, which is a tricky thing. So that's where you can't have the neurolinguistic programming, breathwork, hypnotherapy, and the deep This is so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. Like I, I knew bits and pieces of your story, but this is the first time I've heard like the full story. And I'm just so like, I'm obsessed. This <laughs> is really cool. You brought up a really good point, And I'm very stern with this on my clients that come to me for branding. It's also funny because 2020, you probably noticed this as well, gave people a lot of time to either pivot with their business or actually gave people the time to say, maybe I'm ready to start my business. Mm -hmm. It is wild to me how many people think getting their branding done is getting a one-page styling sheet with a logo, typography, colors, and being like, that's my brand. Yeah. And I wish more people spoke to that. It's not just about working with a designer. That's literally the last part of the puzzle that represents all of that work that you've just touched on. Who are you? Why do you exist? What -hmm. is the framework for this house that you're building? Who comes into the house? What happens in the house? You can't buy the decorations for your house unless you know what the house looks like. Mm -hmm. And that's always something that I, I chat with my clients on. But hearing your story this is you've added a whole new layer to this Mm -hmm. this is really really cool so you're working with entrepreneurs one-on-one or maybe that own small businesses but when you're doing this branding you're actually pairing in going deep into self to really help them spit out their mission their purpose yeah, so um, I work with entrepreneurs, and, and I actually have um, work with small businesses, people in six, seven, eight, and even I'm working with a nine-figure company right now um, who completely like spiraled and lost connection to to that bigger purpose. So uh, you know, the founder mm-hmm. is like, "Oh my god, I have this functioning, profitable company, and I don't feel like I it's the thing I created anymore." So it's like what I right. help um, entrepreneurs do is because you know something that I really, really believe in is whether you're a small business, big business, it doesn't actually matter because whoever is in charge, whoever is um, the CEO, the founder usually is the guardian of that brand's soul. And, you know, that's, that's why, you know, if I were to work Mm. with, with someone about with this, I wouldn't necessarily like, sure, maybe I can have the team or do a team meeting, but I'm not going to work with like the marketing director or people um, there that maybe are disconnected or there and they're doing a good job, Mm -hmm. not actually understanding where this brand come from. I go directly to the source. And from there we say, okay, this brand um, and the, it's so funny you use the house metaphor, Allie, because that, I use that all the time as well, which is what mm-hmm. is that like deep foundation for this brand, that deeper why, um, that the, the vision, the values. And what most people struggle with is that, and again, this is where psychology and understanding um, the, the human brain and the nervous system comes in and has been extremely useful because what a lot I get with a lot of people is like, well, why? Okay, here's my why. I want to help people do X. And I'm like, no, that's not deep enough. Sorry. And, and we have to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And the reason why it's so difficult for most people to articulate their why is because literally your why lives in the limbic um, part of your brain. Let's call it the reptilian, without going into like super duper science, let's call it the, the reptilian brain. And that's the part that has, that makes gut decisions, that has emotions, that has like that, the feeling that you get, that gut decision, that instinct, it lives there. And that part of your brain does not have the capacity for language. The part this of your so brain cool. yeah, that I'm basically- I'm sitting here watching you like a TV 
Yeah. I'm just like, tell me more. <laughs> I, this is what I love people to like. I want people to know this stuff because it's so. Because you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, that's fluffy." Like, I need to start with my why. Like, whatever. Like, let, come on, let's get to the how. Let's get to the audience. Let's get to the Facebook ads, right? And I'm like, mm. no, actually, you're, what you're trying to bypass is it's actually science. It's spiritual and it's it's logic. Um, and you need to know, like, it's hard for you to articulate the things that you feel the strongest about and they're in your gut because that center of your brain literally does not have the capacity for language. The part of your brain that has capacity for language is your neocortex, which is the logical, like, let's crunch these numbers. Let's figure out what, what the business plan for the year is. And that's only 5% of your mind. So you're actually ignoring what's driving you to when you're saying, you know, I'm going to show up, I'm going to make my 2021 plan. I'm going to, you know, lead this meeting this way. And here's the agenda and here's the accounting that I'm going to do. But what about the emotion, the undercurrent that's driving you to do those things in the first place? Because it's been proven that human beings, we actually make decisions on emotions and then we justify it with logic. So if you don't have a grip of what's happening in that underworld, that emotion, that deeper why you're doing what you're doing, what your values are, what matters to you, who you are, what your identity is, every decision you make from that wobbly place is also going to be wobbly and not actually accessing your full potential. Wow. I can literally geek out about this like all day. I'm- Usually I have a lot more words as a host, but I'm actually just want to sit here and listen to you talk. I just like, let's Ted talk this out. Um, okay. I'm fascinated and we're going to, we're going to circle back to this, but I want to go back to your time in New York. Yes. And so what was your, your aha moment? Like what were you just unfulfilled? Were you unhappy? Were you just so out of alignment? What literally made you say, fuck it. I'm couch surfing for a year not even backpacking like I'm couch surfing that was a radical decision (laughs) it really was um and one that it's like you know maybe some people think I'm that kind of person who just makes radical decisions and that's part of my personality it's not um that was radical like even for me to to Mm -hmm. be driven that way um so you know a lot of times when you have this aha moment where you know I know some people have it some people don't um, of like, okay, that's it. I'm going to get the, I'm going to change this thing. Um, a lot of times it's not actually one thing that happened. It's the accumulation of years and years and years compounding or several events that compound and basically, um, tip you over to that tipping point where you're like, okay, now I really got to do something about this. And so mm-hmm. for me, um, with New York, it wasn't just like, oh, I had a bad month or whatever, or I had a bad year. It was literally like a decade plus of me just trying to fit into this mold of who I thought I was supposed to be, which was this corporate powerhouse, like the American dream, like American successful <laughs> businesswoman who's like a CEO by the age of 30, which I actually am, ironically, not the way I thought I would be. Mm-hmm. But um, and and then just just the pressure and, and it throughout the years just struggling with chronic depression with anxiety because that's what the body does when you're completely out of alignment it gives you symptoms it gives you depression gives that sense of anxiety it gives that heart palpitation that fear that constant sense of i'm not happy i'm miserable and so um year after year compounded of me just trying to fit into this and finally i i did it right like i worked really hard i got the good grades i got into the ivy league school i got into corporate like check 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 i did all the things that everybody told me to do that i thought i was supposed to do and i'm here in new york city and i'm still not feeling fulfilled i'm still feeling like wow this this sucks i have to now i now went from trying to be here to being here and working 10 to 12 hour days waking up at 6 a.m every morning not hating on people who wake up at 6 a.m., but like, like to go to the gym so then I could work. We can hate on people who work at 6 a.m. here. It's fine. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, that's, that's fine. I'm not, I, I'm not loving. That's not like, it. To me, it's, just to really me not it's not, it. it's not something like, yay, it's 5 a.m. I'm ready to start my day. I was like, shit, the alarm no. again. Um, I have a lot of shit to talk about this hustle, grind, busy culture, mm-hmm. hashtag team, no sleep. That doesn't work for people, women especially, and our yeah. hormones and our bodies, but that's a whole other thing. Continue. No, for sure. I, <laughs> I, I agree as well. Um, but yeah, just, just that that nonstop hustle, wake up early, go to the gym, go to work, um, meet a friend for a cocktail or go on a Tinder date, whatever, and then like pass out. <laughs> 
uh, and then do it again. And then maybe I have like two days on the weekend to actually um, connect to myself or, or not really because I'm so tired from the week that I just have to take a whole day to decompress. So that was happening. It happened one year. It happened two years. And then I'm on year three. And, um, and, and it's important to note that on my first year, I got laid off from my first job. Um, because I didn't like, they didn't meet the numbers. It was like such a callous way to just like, oh, sorry, we didn't meet quota. And like last one in first one out or something like that. Um, and so uh, I remember I had like three weeks where I tasted freedom, like three weeks of like not having a job and just applying and being like, oh my God, I can go to the park at 3pm on a Tuesday and read a book. Like, wow. <laughs> and then people, there's people here. I'm clearly not alone. What are these people doing? Do they not have jobs? What's going on? So I had this three week hiatus on <laughs> after year one of being like, oh my God, there's another way to live. And this is actually so much more enjoyable than the way that I live. And then just instantly getting sucked back into the vortex, like three weeks later being like, Oh wow. Freedom. Wow. This is so nice. I can work from a cafe. I can sleep in like, I, wow, what's going on. I can meet my friends and not have to schedule them like four weeks in advance on my Mm. calendar. So I had this Mm -hmm. taste of like, wow, is this is what life could be like? And then boom, like back into the vortex. So I already had this like discontent of having tasted like the sweet, fruit of freedom and then just like being like pulled back into the cage. Um, and then the long, the short story of the long story is that, um, I had this three month period where shit started happening back to back. And this is when I swear the universe is like, listen, girl, you're ready. Like, yeah, go. Buckle up. Buckle <laughs> up. We're going to, we're going to bring your bags because we need you to like yeah. get on with it and start <laughs> making a change. Like don't stop wasting away. And so in that three months, um, I went on a volunteer trip to Cambodia, really, really seeing how the other end of the world is living, as opposed to like me living in my New York bubble. But it was like this contrast of like, why am I commiserating 12 hours a day um, on this when there's other people living like this and just having that this really extreme contrast. Um, in that trip, my grandfather, who was really close to, died. And so I was on this trip trying to hold space for these children who don't have parents and my heart's broken. And I'm just like, what the fuck do I care about New York? Like, this, this, this isn't what matters in life, right? This is what matters. It's like my heart, these children, they don't have parents. I'm here. Like, I'm trying to help. It's just a systematic problem. Am I feeding the problem? Am I not feeding the problem? I don't know. And there's just like all these like things, these, um, I don't know how to say it, it, like all these loose ends just started to unravel in me uh, at a faster rate and I could put them back into the box, you know, Mm -hmm. all these questions, like existential questions. I'm like, like, what the Mm -hmm. fuck am I doing? And then I come back to New York and I remember just coming back to New York, like feeling like I'm in this total haze and remembering that, like, um, I was like, okay, well, at least I'm going to get this promotion. I've done everything they told me to. I'm a shoe in for this. I don't get this promotion that I was expecting. Um, I then am told that my rent is about to skyrocket $700 a month. And I was like, not prepared because I didn't get the promotion or the raise I thought I was going to get. And then my ex breaks up with me on my 25th birthday, like the night universe was like, get out of here. Let's go. And then I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. I like literally have to get out. I don't have a place. um, My lease is expiring in April. And I'm not renewing and I don't want to live here. And then I don't want to be working in this job if the, I'm not going to get compensated for, mm-hmm. for my efforts. Um, I just, I'm unhappy and this isn't the sort of life I want to be living. And then from there, I literally said to myself, I looked myself in the mirror. Um, it was one day in October and I said, I, I have to change my life. There's just no option. I have to do something. Please help me. And then it wasn't like an instant, like an angel coming in being like, ta-da, here's this like project you can do it was me being like okay I guess I'll apply to companies in other parts of the country and then being like I actually don't want to be in this country period okay I guess I'll apply to this these jobs in Europe okay it's the same shit but a different toilet okay so I guess I'll apply to a different industry in Europe still the same shit and then just coming like over the course of three four months just being like wow I really need to do something drastic here if I want drastic results. And that's when I was like, I'm just going to just take a big marker, red marker, and just X my life, an X over my life. Just be like, nope, we got to just start from scratch. And I'm going to start from scratch with a Y, with values, with principles, and a vision of where I'm going. And to me, that Y was to rediscover what it means to be human because I feel like a machine. I don't know who I am. I'm completely disconnected from myself. So I want to show me what it means to be human. And my values were 
to be courageous, to connect and to be conscious and aware the whole time of what was going through. Cause I had to be aware through this journey. I couldn't just be like, Oh, that was a cool trip and go back to the thing that I was doing. I had to become aware of my fears, of my limitations, of the ways I had brought this upon myself, just, just ruthless self-awareness. And my principles were every day, travel, meet people, write, just do the thing I love every fucking day. And the answer has to unfold. There's no choice. It has to, it has to open up. If I take the jump and I have a net, which are the people that were hosting me, if I take that leap and I take a jump, there's going to be something on the other side. I just have to trust that. So a whole lot of faith as well. That is so wild. So did you, you just sold everything, packed a backpack and where did you start? Um, I started in Italy because it was my safety place. The motherland. Yeah, the motherland. But my rule was I'm not going to start in Rome. That's really cheating. So I started in northern Italy. So I went back to my mom's house. Yeah, so I went back to the motherland. Well, I went to the north of Italy, which I'd never been to before. And I had a few hosts there, um, like friends of friends, because, you know, it was really easy to get people in Italy. And once I was there on my feet, like on the ground, like doing the project. Then I started to be like, Hey, do you know anyone else in Europe? And then be like, yes, I know this person in Montenegro. I know this person, um, in, in Croatia. And then from there I was actually, I went up, I only stayed in for a week and then I went up to Austria, made my way through Europe. Um, then, uh, went to Dubai, then started in Asia, made my way all the way through like, um, Nepal, Southeast Asia, down um, through Australia, New Zealand, Hawaii, and then from the West Coast back to the East Coast. So, yeah. Okay, one more question about this trip, and then I swear I'll change the subject. I'm fascinated. Were you working at all, doing any freelance work, or did you just sell everything? Yeah, and... So the moment I decided, I decided I was going to make this change in October of 2015, and then I left... um, basically for the trip in June of 2016. So the moment I made that okay. decision, I said to myself, I'm going to start saving, radically saving money. I don't know what it's for, but I, I know whatever it is that I do, I'm probably going to need money, whether it's moving to Europe, whether whatever it is. And mm-hmm. so I started putting aside 20% of my paycheck, which wasn't much, um, but still uh, compounded over you know those six plus months. It, it, it was a few thousand, it's like five or 6,000. And then I took on um, a couple of freelance gigs that were really high paying. Like when, and then I was like, wow, when you're a contractor, you can make so much money. <laughs> like what I'm making right now. That's really the key to life. Yeah. I took a week. Like, I remember I did a one week freelance project for a consulting company and it paid me what I make in a month. And I was like, wow, that was just $3,500 right there for my savings. And so I saved a lot. When I left, um, I was a freelance doing freelance writing. Um, and I was like meddling on, um, yeah, like doing writing articles. But again, we're talking like $40 for like an article, which is a two or three hour job. Um, so I was working for peanuts, but I had that little safety um, net um, so that I think I had around, yeah, it was around 10,000. So I was like, you know, I know this will last me for around six months or more. It actually ended up lasting me for like nine months, <laughs> which is crazy. And I didn't even go through all of it, but I was freelancing not a lot of money considering that like was for all your travel your flights like I know getting around you know once you're in a country sometimes can be quite cheap but that's still stretched quite yep it was super super stretched yeah well I was just getting to Europe once you're in Europe you can find like $10 bus rides um, and then getting from Europe to Asia is the second one but when you fly it's like $25 plane tickets at least back then um, and so it was quite cheap for me to go from one place to the other. Being hosted obviously helped, um, just being mm-hmm. on a budget essentially. But, um, yeah, I was, uh, started as a freelance writer, quickly decided it was not a good use of my time. And so, um, it was a lot of trying to figure things out, um, trying to do like little odd jobs here and there. But my promise to myself is that I didn't, um, I don't know how well I kept this promise cause I was still in the hustle, hustle, hustle mentality mode. But I was, um, my priority was to get the experience and and, uh, and make the most of my time there. And then whenever I needed cash flow, either dip into that savings or write an article or a couple articles and get a few hundred dollars here and there. Okay, so this brings me to my next burning question. Did you stop in Bali because this is where you met your man? Did you meet <laughs> your man on this trip? No, actually. Okay. No, no, no. Because I first come, it's 2021. It's crazy how time, oh my God, it's been five years. <laughs> so I stopped in Bali in 2016. 
And um, I just, it was one of those places where people are like, go to Bali, go to Bali. I'm like, God, this is such a tourist. You know, it's like when people tell you to go to Santorini, you're like, well, that's annoying, but I guess I should see it. I should see what the fuss is all about. And so I remember very resistantly going to Bali because I was um, I going know, it to sucks you right in. Yeah, I, I, I went through Java <laughs> and then I'm like, cool, Java, mountains and volcanoes and really cool thing. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go to Bali mm-hmm. now. And what you just said, it sucks you right in. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay, I get it. As long as you're not in Kuda. I'm not. I'm not in Kuda, I promise. I'm in Barala. Um, and so, yeah, I um, I went and I stayed for two weeks. And, you know, surprise, surprise, I had a really profound healing experience. I was in Ubud, um, very much mm-hmm. slowing. I, I was burning out. It was um, almost six months into my trip, and I was so burnt out. And when I stopped in Ubud, I was staying, like, at a village, at a farm, and I just couldn't do anything for, like, a week. I was just useless. Um, so exhausted, so burnt out. And um, I kind of regrouped myself and I was like, wow, Bali's really nice. I think I'll be back, but nothing of it. And then, and then I went to Australia and absolutely fell in love with one of my hosts. So I had like a crazy love story. One of those like fall in love with 24 yes. hours and then you're like together yes. forever. And then it just burns just as quickly as it started. Um, that was going to be my third burning question too, is how many trip boyfriends did you have? Because I have this thing. I used to actually my background. I worked in the travel industry doing sales and operations for eight years um, before I went creative. So my world was like always on planes, but there was something about me going on a, I was a big solo traveler. I always had a boyfriend, a little trip Mm -hmm. boyfriend. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I fell in love way too easily on trips. This is not okay. (laughs) (laughs) I completely, um, and yeah. with British guys, I'm like, can you leave me alone? Slash, I know I'm chasing you, but I'm a sucker for those accents. The accents are really good. <laughs> I have, I have yeah. to agree. Um, yeah, I had a, I'm glad you're asking this because um, I know you and I were talking about this as well before. Um, a lot. The, an- the short answer is a lot. And um, no boyfriends. Actually, uh, which, when I Triplings. left New City, I had my ex- boyfriend and that was the last time 2015 was the last time I've called anyone my boyfriend until this last year 2020 um when I have my now partner that I actually is the first person I call my boyfriend um in five years and I had a five-year emotional ruckus hiatus in between of me like trying to figure out myself and then obviously stumbling on all these men who were either exotic or dreamy or like represented the parts of me that were missing inside of me um, and or, you know, reflected daddy issues, like you name it. Just I just had like mm-hmm. this stream of just men, some really good ones, some not so great um, of men that I would just like almost cycle through trying to figure out um, who the fuck I was and what my standards were and what my boundaries were. And so um, I had a lot um, and, you know, it's not the thing, you know, I, I know there's a lot of shame and stigma associated around that, but as I was traveling, number one, I, I at first wasn't even emotionally available to commit to anyone. I mean, I was in a freaking mm-hmm. different country every five weeks for four years. And so um, just actually because of um, the pandemic, I, before I've been in Bali for over a year now, before this year, I, for four years, I have not been in one single place for more than five weeks just consistent traveling. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And so um, a lot of meeting people and then being like, oh my God, I really like you, but gotta go. Or like, oh, let's meet up again. It doesn't work. Um, or like, let's have like a really fast two to three week romance and just kind of wrap it up before I leave. Just a lot of those situations. And That's a lot of- heartbreak. You know, Trip heartbreaks hurt. They hurt more than real life breakups. Lot. Yeah. <laughs> they really, it's really painful. I mean, you know, a lot of people sometimes, a feedback I would often get is like, oh, but you've only known him for three weeks or four weeks. And I'm like, look, look, buddy, I get it that a five-year relationship where you have like a shared, a dog and, and, a, and you know, like you have a house mm-hmm. together and things like it's really painful. There's a lot of untangling to be done, but that's not to take away with the feeling of, it's not really about, um, you know, when you really fall for someone or, or you even fall for your own expectations, like it's fucking painful for you yeah. to wake up to that. Um, and it's not even to compare, like here's this heartbreak and here's that heartbreak. But um, having that band-aid like rip that fast is a really, really painful experience. I think there's so many layers around trip romances because A, you're kind of like, 
have that best version of yourself, you know, that free, like, doesn't matter kind of attitude when you're traveling. But the other half to that is this make-believe, this pretend, this, like, Mm -hmm. this could be it. This, you romanticize things a little bit, but it never gives you the time to actually explore it. I always found, though, it was interesting. I think you talked, you touched on this earlier. I was very emotionally blocked off through for most of my life, to be honest, probably up until a couple of years ago, <laughs> working on it. But I found that the only time I was really, really crying was when I was coming home from trips. Mm. And it wasn't until like later that I realized I was crying because I just did not want to come back to my life. Like my traveling was escaping what home was to me or what I had created my home to be. But yeah, we went down the romance road, not to, I didn't want to be one of those girls that are like, okay, now let's have boy talk. But let's have a little bit of boy talk. Um, but we're bringing this up because this has now become a big part, a recent big part of stuff that you're sharing online. And I actually am fascinated. Actually, fascinated is a bit strong of a word. I I really admire how you're showcasing your relationship Mm -hmm. because you were saying that your audience is quite fascinated about how you're showcasing your relationship and the stories you're telling around the foundation of your relationship. But the only fascinating part I see from this situation is that what you're doing is very, very healthy but it's not actually normalized for people. So let's talk about how you actually in these four or five years traveling really grew into self. You learned some lessons. You had a lot of, you know, self-discovery. And I'm sure from there, you're like, this is what I need as a human. And these are my boundaries. So if Mm -hmm. you're coming into my life, Mm -hmm. this is what we need and how a partnership kind of fell into that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, when we talk about the stories that you tell yourself, which is the first thing, as we were saying before, before you can really put out that integrated, cohesive, external brand story, you really need to figure out what are all those stories that you're telling yourself inside of your head that are sabotaging you and not getting you to where you want to be. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I usually bucket this into you have your relationship story, your work story, your self-worth story, your health story. So you can literally do an audit of all the stories that you're telling yourself um, and how they're getting in your way. And so for me, as I was building my business, I was super prioritizing what's my work story? What's my money story? How do I like get into that abundant money mindset? How do I become a better leader? How do I believe in my self-worth and know that I can grow a business? And da 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 da. So we got that. Um, and so, but the thing is that it's actually what you want to do is do a constant audit, kind of like the life wheel of what's going on. What are the yeah. stories that you're telling yourself around relationships, around work, around money, around health, around your self-worth? What are the stories that you're telling yourself? And are those stories actually serving you to get you to where you want to be? And so I actually, you know, if we were to look at my life wheel, I was completely disproportionately only focusing on one section of it and allowing my relationship story to completely just get like shoved under the carpet and not dealt with. And the thing is, you know, what's really ironic, and I don't know if you've experienced this, Allie, and this this happens with so many of my clients. I don't know if I just attract clients like this or if this is a general thing. When people come to me (laughs) talking about business problems, so so many of the times like, oh, I'm not setting boundaries with my client or, oh, like I I don't feel like, I feel like my team's taking advantage of me. I always freaking trace it back to their dating life and the ways they don't set boundaries in their love life or like if they're having issues with dating a guy or being like, oh, he's not texting me back, but so I'm, I'm gonna keep like, pursuing him I'm like that's showing up with how you're coming up with your leads because a pattern is a pattern and a story is like wanting to be that yes person yes exactly so it actually leaks your love life leaks into your business your business leaks into your love life um and I'm speaking specifically about the patterns that you're exhibiting and so Mm -hmm. um as I was tightening up my business and becoming a strong businesswoman and all that jazz uh what I wasn't paying attention to is the ways that in my love life I, um, well, number one, I was completely running off of an old model, which was the, the whole like suburban life. Uh, cause nobody teaches you like how to relationship or what does it look nobody. like with you? Um, how do you set boundaries? How do you set standards? And so 
um, I was running on this outdated model of um, suburban life and I'm going to like find, marry my college boyfriend and then we're going to have kids and it's going to be fine. Like everything's going to be fine. It's going to be that way. Um, completely, you know, college boyfriend three years in does not work out because I'm like, this is not, just not the life I want to live. And then I swing the other way. I mean, like, oh, I, I'm open and I'm going to date like three to four guys at the same time. I'm like a free spirit, which is, by the way, avoidant pattern um, when it comes to attachment styles. Uh, and then just fully go from like being anxious to being fully avoidant, traveling the world and consistently playing. It's the same thing. You just replay. You just, it's the same fucking theme. Hi, like boy meets girl. Um, girl's like, I'm a free spirit. I'm avoidant. Like, I'm just gonna like, please don't get too like attached. And then you're secretly getting attached or at least I was. And then I like care way more than I showed that I care. But because I didn't show that I care, the man would be like, uh, okay, I guess she doesn't care. I'm going to go like date these other girls. And then he's also kind of avoidant. And then I'm like, Oh my God, no anxious. And then I go in. And then the more I get anxious, I'm like, no, but I like you. I changed my mind. I really, really like you way more than I thought I was when I was being a free spirit and telling you that I don't want commitment. And then boy pulls away. Right. And so awesome. that is like, plus re rewind, replay, rewind, replay, rewind, replay. And what was not going on is that I kept allowing myself my relationship life was just toxic. I had no voice. I didn't speak directly to what I wanted. Like if I wanted to actually, hey, I want you to be my boyfriend, I would never say that in a million fucking years. Cause I'd be like, oh, then he's gonna walk away. Like, oh, then he's gonna think I'm too needy. And even if I'm like, I actually really just wanna be cuddled tonight. Like, oh no, he's gonna think I'm needy. So there's all these things where I didn't have high enough standards. And notice that I'm saying standards and not expectations. Because a lot of people, mm -hmm. as my one of my best friends says, who's a dating coach, they have really, um, the issue with dating is that your standards are not high enough and your expectations are too high. So Got it. raise your standards, yeah. lower the expectations. And so I had these yeah. really high expectations of what people should, or what these men should be. I did not have standards of like, oh, sure, he doesn't have a job and he just kind of like hangs around all day. Like, no problem. He has like a really good heart. Like, no, that's not the man I want. And, and you know, again, nothing against that kind of man, not the man for me. But I was not bothering to to literally step aside and be like, what's the story I'm writing for myself? Because what I'm writing, the story I'm writing is that I will settle for any guy who shows me enough love and attention. And I will be naturally attracted to the guys who possess the traits that I don't have in myself. The ability to relax, the ability to like just be chill and, and sit back. That's because I'm high strung and I'm now looking for that guy to fill that void. And then what it ends up happening is that I end up dating a deadbeat who like doesn't have a future. And it's like, <laughs> I'm just looking to fill that void and it's not actually working because what I need to do is cultivate all these things within myself, which I'm ignoring because I'm just trying to build this business. And so um, what ended up happening is that over and over again, I had to have this lesson um, drilled into me, which is when it comes to these men, number one, you're not clear on what you want, what I want. So I take responsibility for all the men I've attracted that weren't right for me or who hurt me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't being mm -hmm. clear on what I was and was not willing to let into my life. Number one, two, my standards were not high. I was going to take anyone who was going to give me enough attention as long as they met basic criteria. Not mm -hmm. okay. Raise your standards. Say no. Fuck no to the things you don't want. And number three, when I was in the relationship, I didn't speak up. I didn't use my voice. I didn't say this, I don't accept this. I didn't have boundaries for what I was and wasn't willing to, to, to have in my life. I accepted things that looking back now, I'm like, I would never let that shit fly. No way. Um, and so these pieces, um, I had to go through a lot of heartbreak for me to get to the point where I was so crushed. And I, this was about a year and a half ago. I, um, I burnt, it was like, um, again, one of those things where they, it all comes together, like had this really big successful launch, did not feel fulfilled, did a TEDx talk was physically like I actually had um, an assist in my ovary. So I literally collapsed after the talk and had to go to the hospital. So physically ill, completely heartbroken by a guy who was, sorry to say, classic fuck boy. Um, and just being like, okay, all these pieces are falling apart again. I need to make a change. I'm not fulfilled. And the first um, thing that I realized, it's like, sure, yes, I need to get more organized with my team and I need to do this with my business. But what I realized was the big thing that just kept growing was I need to heal my relationship pattern. It's toxic. It's killing me. 
it's making me feel like shit. I need to heal my relationship with myself. And as a result, my relationship with the men that I allow into my space. Mm -hmm. That was the journey that got me to where I am today. That's amazing. And honestly, it's like your story is my story is, is the story that or the path that everyone needs to take to get through like the, the path that everyone needs to go through to get to where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the pain, pain is a uh, suffering is optional, but it seems to be the thing that gets us most motivated. It doesn't have to be though, but um, it is optional. But for me, it was like a thing that um, had to happen and I had to hurt enough for me to, to realize that I really just, I need to change the way that I operate, the people that I allow into my life, my boundaries, um, mm-hmm. speaking up in relationships. And that's what allowed me to get to where I am today, where I feel fully like so healthy. I'm in the healthiest, like happiest relationship I've ever been in my life. Like I'm myself. I feel like healed. I feel aware. And even the parts where I'm not healed, I'm aware of the healing that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, just becoming, you know, and the thing that I always tell my clients and work through is like, you don't have to go, you don't have to like hit that rock bottom for you to learn these lessons, for you to raise your standards, for you to have really strong boundaries about what you are and aren't willing to accept into your life, for you to give love to yourself and for you to shift your, um, you know, attachment style. A lot, a majority of the, I actually would say, no, I think 25% are secure, but I think there's a good chunk of the population that's either um, anxious, avoidant, or anxious, avoidant, and that's just going to cause you a whole lot of trouble in terms of attachment There's style. There's even a bigger, a bigger part of the population that doesn't even know what their attachment style is, and like you said, that's the problem. We're not actually taught to exist as humans. Yeah, we're not. It's wild. Okay, so let's fast forward. So you attract your partner your current boyfriend. And before we wrap, I want you to talk about the relationship agreement because you recently yes. posted about this on your Instagram stories and your community is going wild. So <laughs> fill us in on what this is and how it's been going for you. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yes, my, uh, I actually attracted my, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the, the story you hear over and over again, but it did happen to me. Um, I created, I made a list you know, I actually made a list of who is my dream partner. And I did it from this, it wasn't like from an anxious, like scarcity, like I have to have this person. I, I was literally in meditation one day and I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this man. And then it's just like, boom, it struck me. And I opened my eyes and I opened my journal. I'm like, this is the man that I want. This is, this is the man. This is how he shows up for me, who he is, um, what he physically looks like. And, and this is a question a lot of people don't ask themselves when they're like, oh, I want this guy or I want this woman in my life. Who must you become to become their ideal partner? Mm-hmm. And that's the question I answered to myself and what I'd been working on. <laughs> Who must you become to attract this man that you say you want? Like, how do you show up for him, for you to retain him, for you to attract him? So I am so out of alignment you. with my list right now. I'm just like, that's a great list, Allie. And. That's- it's the work. And I'm like, mm, I'm just going to kind of stay in my little mundane pattern here and complain about my life. So so you can stay in that for as long as you wish, but there's a man on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell my clients, I'm like, you take your time. But there's more fun to be had over there. But take your time, whenever you want. Let's, whenever you're ready. a few have years without a man. So I'm about, to, I'm about ready to start doing the work. So I'm getting a little bit antsy. Boy, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, it's like make that list and then get really clear on who it is you need to become. How do you show yeah. up in order for you to be a perfect match for this person? And yeah. so I did that five day, days later, I manifested my partner. And I remember it was like the first month. Cause one of the things that I was really afraid of, because I just come off this like really profound healing journey. It was like, I had six, the first six months of a celibate. Um, I was like, I'm literally not touching another dick until I like get my mm-hmm. shit figured out. Cause I'm not doing this again. Right. And mm-hmm. so um, I'd come up from, from this really rocky journey of like, I don't want to, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm, um, in an unhappy relationship again, or I'm not speaking up again, or I'm not like, no, you know, kind of thing. So there's like that fear. And there's also that excitement of like, I get to do this better now. I, I finally, I manifested exactly what I wanted. And now I get to 
not just say I'm, I am that person, but I get to like literally practice being that person that is, that gets to have this kind of man. And so um, I remember month one, we were talking about marriage, like not, not like us marrying, but um, the, the concept of, of marriage. And um, I remember the, the concept of a prenup came up and now he has parents who have been together for like 25 years. And then grandparents have been together for like whatever, 50 years. I come from a quite a, you know, my mom got pregnant. My father walked out, didn't meet my father till I was 14. And then my stepfather was like a psycho and then walked out on us. So I come from a very turbulent, like I was not taught at all Mm -hmm. what healthy love looked like. And so, um, having seen my mom kind of like abandoned quite a few times and what she, you know, this economic and, and, and also like, you know, uh, just general health situation that it put us into mental health situation. I was talking to him and the subject of prenup came up. I'm like, yeah, actually, I 100% believe in prenup. Now he's like, whoa, what's going on? And and I know some people can even get triggered listening to this, but hear me Mm -hmm. out. Um, To me, I'm like, look, it's not because I don't trust my partner or because I don't, um, you know, it's like, oh, I need to protect myself. It's not coming from that place. It's coming from this place where we are so crystal clear on where we stand on uh, the things that we own, the things that we want to share, the things we don't want to share. Like we have that crystal clear clarity that when you sign this agreement, then you go into like a lifelong commitment. um, You're clear on what your standards and your boundaries are. And there's no question about it. And so it's the best contract is the contract you never have to enforce. It's the best contract is the one that you never have to actually use um, because it's just being followed because both parties, that's what the point of a contract is like getting really clear on what the, the expectations are and what um, both people want and, and need and agree to so that moving forward, there's no problems. And so to me, I'm like, you know, the same way I would hire, I wouldn't just hire an employee and be like, let's just figure it out. Or, or like be like, hey, client, like, let's just yeah. wing it. Let's just see how it goes. Um, I want to be super clear because having these boundaries actually allows me to be more open and free within the relationship. When it, in, a, in a client agreement, in, if the contract says like, if you are 15 minutes late, you forfeit your session. Nope. Like there's no questions asked. The contract says that, but I yeah. can say, Hey, I get you're having a really hard day. Um, that's okay. Let's meet anyways. I can, I have the freedom and the space to be kinder, more generous, more open and more loving as opposed to getting, not putting that clause in my contract, having my client show up 10 minutes every single week and then just getting triggered at my client every single week because they're not following the boundaries I didn't set. And so that was how I explained it to him. And he's like, this is brilliant. This is amazing. I never thought of prenup that way. He's just like, I'm like, yeah. And and it's just like, it's like that, but also like, you know, in a relationship, why would we just enter this relationship that has the long-term like intention? It doesn't have an expiration date without actually knowing what we want. And 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 then I don't forgot if it was him or if it was me, but we're like, let's do a relationship contract. No, let's call it an agreement. Let's do a relationship agreement. And he got so excited. I remember 24 hours later, he just sent me like a document. Like he pulled, he Googled stuff, like actual like legal language. And I remember being like, hey, honey, like let's make it like more human. <laughs> this isn't like a business deal. It's just like, oh, party. Yeah. This, thing, this thing shall not be in this way. And I'm like, okay, let's like make it just language friendly so that people get it or like you know that we get it and it's not just like this legal thing um and so we started to just have the us saying we're gonna have this relationship agreement we had to sit down and have these really tough conversations month one of our relationship which is what are your views on marriage do you want kids again like think about it i'm 30 i don't want kids anytime soon but if you get into a relationship and then three years in with a guy and you never talked about having kids. And he's like, I actually don't want kids. Like, yeah, not good. why didn't you talk about that on month one? You know, yeah. like that needs to be a conversation. Um, do you want kids? Like, what is, what does sex look like to you? Like, what is it that you like, what you don't like? What are you open to? What are you not open to? Um, how much time do you want to spend? <laughs> New thing in the contract, we must have sex every day. Well, Fine. we have a quota. We do. We have a quota three times a week. Oh, we're a little bit, yeah, we're a little bit yes. short on this week's numbers, so we're gonna have to make up for it. Yeah, exactly, and that, that's actually like exactly it. You're right, and so creating these not these strict draconian rules, but rather these like, hey, I really love to like have a part. I want to have sex like three times a week, and if it's two times a week, one time, that's fine. If one of us was sick or like 
it's fine, but it's just like, that's the standard we're holding ourselves into and, and to connect with each other at least one evening out of the week, no phones, just connecting with each other. So really yeah. mapping out what does the ideal relationship look like for us? Who, who, how do we show up? And even like, go, there's a whole clause on conflict being like, whenever, you know, I'm mad, I need you to back off. And that's written. Like, please don't, don't like flood my space. And for him, he needs to be reminded to be compassionate. So it's like, I know how he operates when he's angry. I know how he knows how I operate. So getting this clarity, it was such a vulnerable thing to do. And it actually brought us so much closer, getting it all on writing and literally signing on it is like, this is the relationship I'm signing for. And one of the things we, you know, in the, in the contract, we say like, we can renegotiate this at any time like any time that we want, but rather this is the thing we're going to keep coming back to when we're having an issue or an argument or something in the relationship that for some friction, this is the standard. This is the baseline is what we call it. Like the minimum, the baseline of how we relate is this and everything else is just up from there. Um, and it's been um, five months since we've done it and we still come back to it. We're still like, Hey babe, remember the contract? Like, I want, like, like, I want to see you today, like, no phones, like, you know, kind of, like, thing. Um, it's, it's actually, it doesn't come up yeah. a lot, but the times that it's come up, it's been, it's opened up a conversation and a dialogue around, hey, is this still what you want? Is this still not what you want? And we're both super, super clear on what the relationship that we want is. And that creates so much clarity for me to show up more vulnerably and more open and for him to do the same because now we're not like, oh, I want to say this thing, but I need to hide it or hold it back. Um, yeah. And the best kind of relationships, not just with partners, but with family, with friends is the one where you're both clear on what it is that you want and need from one another. There's just no confusion or things that you're hiding or things that you're like sweeping under the carpet, you know? Totally. Wow. I love that. We've, we've gone through a lot over this last hour, but I know this is a story that so many people can relate to, especially where you're kind of just feeling lost. You know, as a child, if you think of where our parents were in their lives and the generation that our parents learned parenting, and then, you know, those views getting pushed down to us, we had this idea that we had to have life figured out by our early to mid 20s. That's not the case for a lot of people. There's a lot of unraveling for people. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of external stimulation now that we have that our parents didn't have. Times have really, really changed. But one of the things that, and I told you this before we started recording, I just want to be committed to having conversations that people are like, oh, okay, so I'm not weird. Other people are going through this too. And I'm confident your story is going to is gonna be that for a lot of people. So thank you so much for sharing it with us. Before we head out, why don't you tell us how people can connect with you? And in capacities that you're current, currently working with people, both individually or on a professional, like client-based capacity for businesses, all that good stuff. Yeah, of course. So I've made it super easy to find me. Um, it is my name. The only thing to pay attention to is the spelling of it, which a lot of people get wrong. So it's CelineDaCosta.com is my website where you can find out more about me. It's C-E-L-I-N-N-E-D-A-C-O-S-T-A. Dot com. Um, why my mom decided to put two N's in my name is a whole different story, but there's two and one L. Uh, and then on, uh, if you're interested in learning more about my journey and you know what you've heard today and you're like, yes, I want more and I want to learn more about how to tell my story, storytelling tips, you can do so. I would say first by following my Instagram. That's where I like to play the most, so at Selena Costa. But I'm also on Facebook. I have a free Facebook group you can come and join. On Twitter, I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm Selena Costa. So it's super easy to find. Amazing. The way that I work with people. So um, I have a select amount of private clients that I work on uh, on a one-on-one capacity. So um, I take limited amounts of those. And um, like, like we've said, it's about really getting you to show up and put yourself out there, tell that really authentic, powerful story, do this inner work we've been talking about so that you can create more influence, so that you can create more impact and more income in your business. For those of you who are looking to work in a group capacity, who still want to work with me, learn from me, I do have a group program that runs every few months. It's called Master Your Story. So if you want to learn more about that, I would either go on my website or you can DM me directly. And um, I also have a couple courses. Again, it's all on the website. If you're interested in working with me, I highly just recommend that you go on my website or you DM me 
or info at selenacosta.com and we can point you in the right direction that's a good fit for you. And um, last but not least, I actually normally have um, one a free guy that I love to offer audience, but I actually have a second one based on what we just talked about that is just, just for your audience. Um, so the first thing I'd love for you to, I love to gift to your audience is free guide, which is um, around the, the biggest things that you need to know in order to start sharing your brand story. So those of you who are like, I want to put myself out there in a bigger way. Um, and I want to create a deeper connection with my audience and, um, and also grow my business, but you don't know where to start. When you download this guide, it's going to give you the, the three first things you must do in order for you to get started and grow in this journey. So that's a free guide. And then the one that I'm offering, just but based on this conversation, I would also love to offer um, your audience a copy of the relationship agreement. For those of you oh God, who amazing. are interested in checking it out, what it looks like, and creating your own relationship agreement with your partner, um, I can also provide Ali with the link for you to go ahead and download that. So you have two things. Um, you have how to tell your brand story, put yourself out there, and start this journey, um, and also the relationship contract for your relationship story. I love that. I'm going to link all of your info, so website, Instagram, all the important links as well as the download links for that in the show notes. But Celine, thank you so much for calling in all the way from Bali. I'm jealous, but I really appreciate your time. I appreciate all your shares and um, I'm very excited that we had the chance to connect. My pleasure. And it was really nice today, Ali. So thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who tuned in and listened. I really hope that this was inspiring and moves you to some fun action. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Unfiltered with Ali. Just a friendly reminder that I have new episodes that drop every single week, including some bonus content called Honey Check, co-hosted with my best friend, Jenna Garrow, where we catch up for some classic girl talk. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe to the show. And of course, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only do I love hearing what you guys think of the episodes, but it helps support the show so much. Lastly, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at at unfiltered with Allie. You'll be able to access a ton of extra content from each of the episodes, slide into my DMs, and you can find the link for my free online Facebook community. This is designed for inspiring badass women all around the world. Can't wait to chat with you next week. Bye.